While Beauty Lab and Laser is a professionally licensed medical facility, the hosts of this podcast are not medical professionals, nor do they claim to be. The opinions on this podcast are for entertainment only. Please seek a licensed medical professional for all medical questions. Hi, and welcome to Live Love Lab, the behind-the-scenes podcast at Beauty Lab and Laser. I'm Heather, one of the hosts of this podcast, and I am joined with Dre, the other co-host, and it's been a while. It's been a minute. How like we haven't done a podcast in so long. I know. I feel like sometimes our podcast schedule is like um reminiscent of my mental health. <laughs> it's a roadmap. Yeah, a roadmap. <laughs> yeah, not reminiscent of, I should say, a roadmap to my mental health. Like because there's always kind of like a drop right after we finish filming. Right. Because we're just running so crazy. Totally. And no, I feel like you've been in recovery mode. Yeah. Like you were so, so busy, but you're still so busy. Holy cow. You've been like go everywhere. Like you took Ashley to um, Santa Barbara. You, I feel like you've been to a lot of different places. Yeah. We've, I mean, I've been traveling a bit, but it's, it's almost like when I'm here, I'm just not operating at full capacity so that we can podcast as yeah, much as I would yeah. want to. Yeah. I think. I mean, because I, but the thing is, that's why this podcast is so poignant. <laughs> because the, as the podcast schedule is a roadmap to my mental health, podcasting itself is therapeutic. It is very therapeutic. You're right. Totally therapeutic yeah. for both of us. And so today it's going to be a meta moment for us because we're going to be having our podcasting therapy talking about the music therapy that I had last night. Yes, I am so excited. At the Kristen Chenoweth concert. It's going to be so great. Well, um, together we are Drether. And I am going to interview you, Heather Gay, of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Only this is going to have nothing to do with that. And it's just going to be about music therapy. I'm so excited. Literally, you guys, Heather and I have texted like all day today and we just keep saying save it for the podcast save it for the podcast because I have not heard how the night went so last night you you were invited to go where to hear Kristen Chenoweth sing with the Utah Symphony at the Deer Valley Amphitheater okay in Park City this is amazing okay and so for those of you that don't know who Kristen Chenoweth is she was in the original cast of Wicked she played Glinda right she originated the role of Glinda in 2003 in Wicked but she's like been in everything she was like in Glee I remember her being on Glee um two seasons of West Wing Oh my gosh, I forgot. Yeah. And there was this other show that I loved her in that I can't remember the name of it. But Four I'm, Christmases. She was phenomenal in Four Christmases she's been in with Reese Witherspoon. so much stuff. And then I just saw, because I was um, peeping her page today, oh, okay. and she's going to be on an Apple TV show that is like a musical and it's like a like it looks like it's a redo of, of Brigadoon. Of Brigadoon, yeah. yeah. Like a parody of Brigadoon. Yes. Like Schmigadoon or Schmigadoon. something like that. And it's with um Jordan Peele is in it who I adore. Oh yeah. He's, oh he's so great. Anyway so I'm so excited to watch that. Yeah that's premiering like next week I yeah, think. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah. So anyway she is a superstar. Alan Cummings in that too. Oh I didn't know that. Yeah, I think. I'll have to Google. Yeah, there and like Martin Short's in it. Martin Short. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I know there's gonna be cast. so many good Cecily Strong from SNL is in oh. it. I know it's gonna be great. But Can't anyway, so that. Kristen is a superstar. Yeah, she's a total superstar. I uh didn't ever see her in Wicked, but I did see her in Promises Promises in um 2011 and 
have just always, you know, loved and adored her. I mean, how can you not? Yeah, she's amazing. As everyone. But um, I had also listened to her on Conan O'Brien's podcast, um, Conan Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. friend. Yes. And so I I have this theory that, like, you know, when you, like, belly laugh with someone at the same moments and the same things, like, the same things make you laugh, even though that's, like, universal because comedians have wide wide audiences. But there's a connection that – a cosmic connection that kind of happens. Yes. When you share laughs with someone and – because different things – are funnier to different people, right? Totally. And I laughed I laughed for days about their podcast because they were so witty and funny with each other. They had this great banter and a lot of the um, things that she described about her career and about performing and music were just resonated with me and Conan was commiserating with her because it was during the pandemic and they were, you know, via Zoom. And they were just kind of commiserating about not being able to perform, like the lack of an audience. Sure. Okay. And to me, I always think of like the lack of the uh, an audience is like the lack that lack of that connection, that kind of cosmic connection. You know, totally. where like you have a therapeutic experience listening to music, which we have because we always go to music shows together. Totally. You and I do. Well, and even most recently, like you and I sitting here in our office watching Bo Burnham's Inside, oh. like just totally mesmerized. And he even like touched on that of like, does it count if you don't have an audience, you know, like, and it was brilliant. And we connected over that and bonded over our love for all of his weird songs, you yeah, know, for, and his, his ability to like express it in song. And then we've all, both just read Daryl Hammond's or listened to Daryl Hammond's book, I should say. And do you remember when he's talking about the magic of performing live on Saturday Night Live is that you are playing broadly to a live audience, yes, but you're also playing small to the camera. Yes. And to your studio audience too. And yeah. Oh Yeah. I mean, but it's like there's the TV camera will pick up something different that like the person in the room won't pick up. Totally. And it was the first time that I had ever made that like difference in what performances and why live performance is so necessary. And this might have been something very obvious to the rest of the world, but I never understood it. I was like, why do they have someone sitting there for the to record friends in the live captured before a live studio audience? Right. If we're just going to put in canned laughter anyway. Yeah. And. Like, what is the point? And it just seems to make the whole thing harder because they have to play to an audience and to a camera. Yeah. I've never even thought about that. But yeah, you're right. But that's why. Because it not only enhances, it enhances the performance because does it even count if there isn't an audience? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it does because there will be an audience. But in the moment, moment. it must be very, very different. Yeah. Well... Kristen last night kind of touched on that so it's like it was group therapy for everyone that was on that mountain because this was her first live performance wow uh, since since COVID in 18 months oh my gosh well what a beautiful place to do that and with the Utah Symphony who is incredible oh my gosh it was that's awesome so incredible so she you can imagine the build-up and she, because it was such a momentous occasion, um, every one of her team had flown in. Aww. Her music manager, her music agents, her music man- agents' families, you know, um, a lot of, she had a lot of friends and family throughout Utah Symphony in the years that were there and seated and I'm sure were her just honored guests. And knowing that this was kind of her um, maiden voyage outside of the pandemic 
and having remembered her kind of grieving not having yes. a perform an audience on that podcast with Conan. And I thought it to myself when we were driving up the mountain, I said to George, I was like, I wonder if she's if the, if we're the first stop on her tour, you know, yeah. or, or where we're catching it. Because it had occurred to me that this is it was my first experience with live music. Like Yeah. Have I, I mean not really. I mean, there hasn't really been much. Have we gone to what would we mm-hmm. have gone to? I'm no, because LP got pushed. Yeah. I mean, so. I'd seen, I'd been at bars where there was like a musician, sure, but nothing yeah. of this magnitude. Like it was my first concert since yeah. the pandemic too. So we're, anyway, we're all in it together. Everyone there on the, in the, on the hill of the amphitheater and Kristen, her team and that buildup, it was just kind of this tangible energy. And so she comes out and she's dressed in white, like an angel with like a a gossamer cape over like skinny <laughs> jeans you know it was just and I was I was kind of jubilant I was there with Georgia who's my 15 year old daughter so it was just kind of a fun we had sandwiches you know we had yeah because you can bring in like a yeah you can a bring in a picnic, picnic basket and, yeah and we had these phenomenal seats just center stage right amongst her team at, oh. who we didn't know at the time but ended up you know of course becoming best friends with. Um, <laughs> of course as is our way <laughs> once they had to like loan me Kleenexes for my breakdown. Um, so she comes out and she sang, uh, I think the, Hey, Sarah, Sarah. Okay. And it was just so amazing and wonderful. And we were all singing and laughing and she just continued on to, uh, perform like a series of songs that like were absolutely like Mac tube moments for me, like little tiny, answers to prayers and that sounds corny probably to a lot of people but in my right now in my life you know like any sort of cosmic awareness that the universe is out there and it's real and it loves me and you know god is aware of me call it what you will is is healing because i just feel kind of cast adrift spiritually speaking and so to be invited to go to a concert which you know 4,000 other people also were at yeah. hoping for some sort of experience, but then to sit there and have just a series of kind of like answers to prayers and little epiphanies was totally beautiful and therapeutic and healing. And it felt like full circle. Totally. Totally. And what a better way to do that than in music, which is like the language of your heart. Totally. You know, totally. The if only- I was God and I was going to speak to you, it would be through music for sure. For sure. Wouldn't you? I mean, yes. in a way that like would come at me that, yeah, it, that's how I feel like it was th- totally through music. And that is why we had to podcast today. We never podcast I the know. day after an event. Like, I know. We, I'm going to lift my mic up here. Does that work if I go like that so yeah. I don't have to crane Yeah, or you can like close it like this. Too. Oh. Too. Well, look, you know. it's like R2D2. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me get my notes yeah so she played Kesarasara, and had you introduced yourself to the people that were around you yet did anybody talk to you or um because you ended up sitting with her team right well we were so when we were sitting there there's a little bit of a kerfuffle about the seats because there were a group of people um you know trying to figure out excuse me where their seats were and you know it's that open picnic environment and so there's totally there was no tension at all but there was just some discussion and I was a little bit unaware of it but then I started to get that low-grade anxiety like yes 
Am I in the right right place? Yeah. Yeah. And hoping that they were, um, hoping that they were going to like ask me, I was going to show them my team and be like, oh, terribly sorry. No, I'm (laughs) 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 That they would see that I had, I was, you know, truly authorized to be there. No, that's not what happened. But we were just trying to figure it out. And I was in the correct seat and we discovered it was these two guys in the middle just had to move down and it all worked out great. But after that it occurred, um, one of that group came up to me and said, hi, you know, I'm Eddie, I'm Kristen's manager. And, you know, I wasn't really hearing what he was saying at first when he said, hi, I'm Eddie. Uh I thought he was just going to say like, hi, I'm Eddie. I'm a big fan of the housewives. (laughs) I watched with my, no, I think he said my wife's a big fan. And I just had to like reprocess what he had just said to me because I was going into my, oh my goodness, it's so nice to meet you. Tell your wife, thanks for watching. You yeah, and yeah. I realized that it was Kristen's manager. Yeah. And so I was just, I, you know, then I just wanted to like thank him for letting us be there and yeah. for managing such a superstar and for putting her in so many amazing works. I totally. mean, think of all the opportunities that she gets to shine in that we get to see her. Absolutely. I mean, did you know that she hosts a show on TV on Food Network? Candyland. Oh yeah, I have seen that actually. <laughs> yes, like every single like that's forum awesome. She's excels in, and she has a four to five octave range. Wow, that's astounding. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. She's there's so many things about last night that were amazing that I'm just gonna try to like appear slightly cool. <laughs> but I'm tell failing. me everything. So um, that was great fun, and then we all sat down. And then a few minutes into the performance, um, Kristen announced that this is her first performance, that it's been, uh, you know, so great to be back and to kind of commemorate. She wanted to honor because I think I don't know how it it was the anniversary, basically, of Eddie, her manager's 49 years in the industry. Wow. And is handled like every great act and is retired in North Carolina now and is this very handsome Hollywood man, yeah. you know, just yeah. like eight by 10 headshot for, we need a, a handsome music totally. agent, totally. you know, yes. a yeah. talent manager. From, yeah. Like when yeah. you imagine from him, LA. that's actually exactly him, who <laughs> exactly. he is. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, have him in the, like the, what do you call those shirts that, you know, like the fancy silk Tommy Bahama, but with no yes, pattern. Yes. Just like yes. the crew. Anyway. Yeah. He, fits the part. I shouldn't be speaking. I shouldn't objectify men like this. I'm a thousand pardons, Eddie. <laughs> I'm sure you're brilliant. I'm sure you're really smart. Well, obviously he is, but sure. it's okay to be sure smart you have and talent good looking. And it's not just your look. <laughs> but there's also kind of just an immediate affinity for anyone that loves the, the stars you love as much as you do. Totally. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's just, it's, I just think music is, I've been really thinking a lot about it because that music is such a connection. It's such a universal connection, but it's so intimate too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, did that kind of give you like a gut punch or like a butterflies in your stomach when she announced that it was her first, like, cause you had said it in the car and you had, you know, been thinking about it. And then to have that confirmed that, yes, this is, we really are sharing something very special. It was emotional. I think it was emotional for a lot of people in the audience because then she got emotional, turned to the Utah Symphony and like thanked them and kind mm-hmm. of spoke to them and said, thank you for giving me the gift of music, giving us the gift of music. It's water in a desert. Aww. And like, I think when she said that, everyone was like, <laughs> <you know>? like <laughs> totally. And because we felt that way, you yeah. know, and after we had Lee come to our Lee 
yeah, our therapist, my, our, yeah, our therapist, our, our company therapist. Yeah, yeah. He, he came in and did a training, a sensitivity training for us about how our, when our affects have been hidden for so long. Yeah, yeah. With masks, so like basically none of us were masked, and this is the, a big public event with totally. no masks on, and our we can see each other smiling. Our affects aren't hidden from each other. So there's not that emotional distance. Yeah. And then we're also sharing it with music and you get to see someone. It's just kind of gift of the magi, you know, like it's this unprofitable servant. Kristen Chenoweth is there. We're here to hear you sing yeah. and to, you know, be grateful to you giving us the gift of music. She's turning to the symphony saying thank totally. you for giving me the gift of music and the audience is just like <laughs> we thank thee, lord thy bounty is so great and it just felt like this very um huge moment for yeah. the world yeah and it was awesome like a turning point of healing kind mm -hmm. of huh totally yeah. yeah so then she uh goes into a cover of the song remembers when which is basically like why music therapy works and the theme song for our lives. Yes. We have done podcasts yes. dedicated to just what do you remember when you hear this song mm -hmm. and to just kind of the emotional impact music has had on our lives. I was standing at the counter. I was waiting for the change when I heard that old familiar music start. It was like a lighted match had been tossed into my soul It was like a dam had broken in my heart After taking every detour, getting lost and losing track So that even if I wanted, I could not find my way back After driving out the memory of the way things might have been she just comes out with that song. Yeah. So I'm already in my feels. Yes. Just being there. and Yeah, just yeah. being there, having this happen. She sings that, and then she's talking about the gift of music, and I just thought, I thought my little heart can't take it. Yeah. It's going to burst. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that. And I had packed Kleenexes because I tend to have very emotional, cathartic experiences yes. at concerts. <laughs> I mean, I could, I, I, I mean, I, we could get into it, but... She, yeah. So she sings the song Remembers When and I'm crying and then she talks about her family and her dad and her mom and she sings Fathers and Daughters which is from her girls album. Well you laughed and told me you really wanted a boy But you cried first time you held me said you never felt such joy That's fathers and daughters when you took the train and wheels right off my bike That's the first time I could feel my wings Cause you taught me I could fly That's fathers and daughters And so I'm at this point like in a death grip clench with George's hand You yeah. know, I'm trying not to gouge her with my nails And then I'm kind of doing that like strokey thing up and down her arm yeah and as the song is playing i'm just can you imagine everything I, that's like going I'm, through I'm my there with you right now head. I'm like oh my gosh 
And I'm thinking about the fact that like a year ago, my father passed away yeah. and this song would have been so poignant, you know, about fathers and daughters. And like, I would have been all about me and my grief, which I was, but then I'm also, if had I been there alone, I think I probably would have been isolated in my own grief, but I'm holding on to my 15 year old daughter yeah. who's hearing a song that, you know, isn't really accurate for how her relationship is. Right. And she's probably longing for it to be more totally. like that or thinking it's supposed to be or thinking that's the only type of father-daughter relationship. You know, all the right. things you think when you're 15. That's, yeah, I'm sure that song was like... somebody <laughs> tells you they love you. <laughs> I'm sure that that was actually pretty loaded. It was like, so loaded. Yeah. It was so loaded. Because I was just thinking about you and your dad, but you're right, you were there with Georgia and... And I'm her father. Yeah. Kind of. like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, but... yeah. And she's there with her mom, which it's like, then I'm sure she's thinking, what emotions can I, can I display without revealing hurting myself my or hurting my feelings. mom's feelings or saying something bad about my dad or whatever? Well, I don't want to like, ruin this night by like saying to my mom, like, why isn't my, you know what I mean? Or, totally. You know, like she couldn't even be, she had to like be my date. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. it was loaded. Yeah. It was loaded. Thank yeah. Thank you. This is what, this is what therapy is. <laughs> this is what therapy does. <laughs> It just loads things up. So that happened. And then uh, Josh and then Josh Bryant walks out with a guitar and he's, you know, tall, dark and handsome and sits down on a bar stool. And then they kind of. And this is her boyfriend. This is and her boyfriend. A, but like, I didn't realize it at the okay. time. I mean, you just you're not. You, I didn't realize that that's who it was. OK. I don't think. I think some people might have realized it, but I, I mean. He's front and center, and I didn't realize it. I just musician. thought, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, you just assume that he's a musician, I guess, yeah. and not her boyfriend. So he starts playing this beautiful guitar intro to Desperado. Oh, such a great song. By the Eagles. And she tells a funny story about how she thought it was written by a woman and realized it was written by two men. You know, it was just uh -huh. hilarious. And then, Desperado, why don't you come? your senses you've been out riding fences for so long now you're a hard one but I know you got your reasons these things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow so basically, we're doing when he starts here. doing the lilt, well, she's telling this, like, so she tells the preamble into it, and then he starts playing the little lilt, you know, so uh -huh. everyone recognizes it. And so I'm now having the music wash over me. So I'm, I'm already in my feels because yeah. this song is very, very significant to me. Okay. And it's significant to me because I have sung it throughout my entire like childhood and high school with my friends, but I always sung it as a woman's perspective, like exactly the way that Kristen said she had okay. heard it first and thought it was, and then imagine when she had discovered it. So I am basically having someone articulate why this song has been significant to me and why, okay. why it was, what I did was not unique to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally, I thought yeah. that was my shtick to make that yeah. about from a woman's point uh -huh. of view and be so funny. But not, turns and, out and she turned had Desperado the same into thought. like a desperate guy, you know, yeah. and not into like an outlaw. 
Is this making sense yes. to you at all? Yeah, it is. Listen to the song. Because I know the song really, really well. It was also one of my childhood songs, but it, I, we always just listened to the Eagles version of it. Right. So just flip it from a female perspective mm-hmm. and it changes the song and it's just, you know, and, and it's, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. So I was sobbing then. I don't even remember what she's saying after that. Let me look. I think I wrote it down. Please hold. Can, are you, can you believe this is what I was experiencing last night? No, I can't believe those three songs all in a row. Are you kidding I mean, me? I don't know if the, the truth is, I don't know if this is all in a row and someone's probably going to say you're wrong. Well, this is how it occurred to me. Yeah. Yes. And I only get things in bits and pieces. <laughs> okay. And linear time is irrelevant to me well, because I, I experience all at once. I shouldn't say all in a row. Just the fact that those three songs Even were played happened. in the same night while you were there. I have not yes. gotten started. <clears throat> oh, Even. boy. Oh, boy. Oh, it's one of my many fans. <laughs> I'll put my phone on silent. Um, so, I mean, I really think at that point I was in a puddle of tears. I had cried off all of my makeup. I'm still thinking in my mind, I, I get to go backstage and meet her. I've got to like pull this together. Yeah. And <laughs> so I try to eat my sandwich. Yeah. I try to make some friends. Calm down. Yeah. Do some deep breathing. And granted, this is like our first public event. Yeah. This is our first time really masks off. This is first time in, what if this was Nazi territory, we would call the hornet's nest. Right. Right. I am at a Utah symphony performance in Utah. Yeah. You know, and I am not wearing my garments. I am outed. Yeah. I'm out of the You're closet there, as a yes. non non-practicing Mormon. I'm there with Georgia. She's wearing an off the shoulder tube top. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I saw her picture she looked darling. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this is it's all a thing. I know. Like, had I thought about it, had I thought more about what it meant socially and in terms of like me being out there in the world I think it would have I would have dressed differently would have made Georgia dress differently I would have um planned ahead probably had a lot of anxiety but I was so singularly focused on just like getting to watch Kristen perform that I hadn't thought of the auxiliary thing so I look over my shoulder and it's a dear friend that was in the stake presidency the uh, stake Release Society presidency when I was a Release Society president. Okay. And then it's, I see her out of the corner of my eye. And then out of the other corner of my eye, I see another dear friend that was in the stake Release Society presidency who uh, came over to my house and counseled with me when she heard that I was separated and going through a divorce. She gave me the name of the divorce attorney that I hired and used and who was pivotal in Uh my divorce settlement. I mean, pivotal, he changed my life yeah totally (laughs) from what I was supposed to get to what I got and she was probably the one um I mean she was the only divorced uh mentor or friend I had you know that was like in that capacity that gave me an attorney you know and gave me like helpful advice and was really like looked out for me and so um I got to talk, so I go over to her and we're like hugging and talking and having a moment, but it was weird at first. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Totally. She wasn't sure how to, I almost felt like she was coming over uh, to let me know that she wasn't mad at me, you know, and like, but when she came over, I wanted, I was grateful that she came over to let me know she wasn't mad at me or she wasn't going to not, she's probably mad at me, but she's not going to be mean to me. Totally. Openly. Well, the truth is, is that the dynamic has changed now because the relationship 
was under the pretenses of, you know, we're in this circle of faith together or whatever. And I think anybody who goes through a faith transition of any kind can relate to that because your relationships do change only because the dynamics change. doesn't mean that they have to be worse or better or but they're, they are going to be different, I think. Yeah. So, and you kind of need that green light of like, Hey, are we still cool? Cause like everything's different now, but like you still love me. Right. Yeah. Like and the bond, the bond that <clears throat> forces to meet and even associate with each other is now broken. Totally. So yeah. Where's the, where do we build a bridge? Yeah. But yeah. it sounds like you were able to have a nice connection and we were, we were able to have a nice connection because while she was coming over. I was so grateful that she was coming over to let me know everything was fine. Yeah. It gave me the chance to like express my gratitude to her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that you got to have that moment. That's huge, Heather. It was, it was like healing in a way because I feel so much shame and guilt, but then I also felt like she understood because she's divorced, yeah. never remarried. Um, and is just, if I were to have a mentor, someone to pattern my life after, it would have been her. Yeah. You know, because she was educated, sophisticated, wonderful, wealthy woman, mm-hmm. single in the church. Which is rare. Rare. Yeah. And empowering for women like you and I, you know. Yeah. It's and important. I- and considering, and then I, so I introduced her to Georgia and I said, she was huge help to me when your dad and I got separated. And I've never spoken openly to Georgia about stuff like that. I've never spoken about separation or divorce attorneys publicly. Yeah. Certainly not like within my faith and not to people that I would never have outed her. Yeah. You know, yeah. she, she slipped me the name of a divorce attorney, which isn't really okay to right. do right. in our community. Totally. If you hear of a woman that is struggling in her marriage, you, you know, strengthen the feeble knees mm-hmm. and you help her out with her kids or her bring her ho- dinner, yeah. bring her dinner, and you let her know that marriage is hard for everybody. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And if two people are committed to God and committed to each other, everything else works out. And that's you don't say, "Here's a divorce attorney, run for the hills." Yeah, you know, it's just. And I said that to Georgia. I said she was really pivotal in a time where it was hard to get concrete advice or help and um she gave me the name of my divorce attorney and he was huge and she said oh did you end up using him and I said yes not only did I end up using him he was phenomenal and was so honest and cost me nothing and was just noble beyond he was a true advocate you've talked about him for over the years that you know how much you respect him and appreciated the work that he did for you so and he I mean it was it was awesome and I she said, well, didn't a lot of people reach out? And I said, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. And no, they did not. Yeah. And we just had like kind of a touching moment where I was able to like kind of, I guess, make up for the fact that now we're both living very different lives. You know, I'm single with hope mm-hmm. and potential for a new chapter of my life. And I feel like had I not had these opportunities that have come the last few years that have come with struggles and hardships where there's times when you just think, is it easier just to like pull the window shades down and just kind of go onto autopilot and not totally not try and not have these highs and lows that we've been having with like the success of the business with being on housewives, all the things that come with it and being able to kind of have this moment with 
this old friend there and see how we both got divorced within years of each other with the same attorney and not similar circumstances, mm-hmm. but s- similar outcomes in the yeah. church. And now um, our lives are vast, our futures look vastly different. Yeah. And that was really healing again. No music was playing. The band, the band, oh, look, there's a band. The band was still milling around, getting their water and treats. But there was, it was totally therapeutic because it said, yes, it's worth it. Yeah. Yes, it's worth it if I even got to have one one hundredth of the experiences I've had in the last two years. All the, you know, humiliation and yeah, the anxiety, know, the and pain. trials. Yeah. yeah, just all of it is absolutely, it's not even a drop in the bucket of how much it's worth it. So that was Aww. empowering to feel too. I love it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Less like I'm not so much like a martyr, you know, it's like I'm so grateful. I felt grateful and I felt grateful to her. And then I saw my other friend, I hugged her and thanked her for being great in my life and you know I they just said well what's new and you know I just said well I'm on TV now they're like well we know and and then I just was fun I was cheeky back and I said well that's what's new guys yeah and then um she proceeded to sing a few more songs and she sang popular which of course of course you know was amazing yeah whenever I see someone less fortunate than I and let's face it who isn't less fortunate than I tender heart tends to start to bleed and when someone needs a makeover i simply have to take over i know i know exactly what they need and even in your case though it's the toughest case i've yet to face don't worry i'm determined to succeed follow my You're gonna be popular I'll teach you the proper poise When you talk to boys Little ways to flirt and flounce I'll show you what shoes to wear How to fix your hair Everything that really counts To be popular I'll help you be popular You'll hang with the right cohorts You'll be good at sports Know the slang you've got to know So let's start Cause you've got an awfully long way But it's also um, kind of a funny riff on Housewives, you know. And before she, oh, I'm sorry, I must beep, beep, <laughs> beep. She, I, I don't know the timing of this. Okay, I do. I'm gonna. I, I hope I'm not slaughtering this because it's all a euphoric pink fog. <laughs> um, she launches into pop culture, and she says. We need to free Britney. Yes. <laughs> she says free Britney and like. Did everybody are, cheer? Yeah. yeah. And of course there is not another issue closer to my heart right yes, now. Yes, totally. About everything it stands for with misogyny and patriarchy and female independence. Yes. And what a horrible, horrible blight it is on our society that we're allowing this to happen. Um, and the way we allow it to happen to all women. So when she says this, I just feel like, you know, she's. I, I want to leap on her. Mm-hmm. Give me a piggyback ride. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Around the stage. Go. Go. <laughs> I'm not that heavy. <laughs> and so she says, free Britney. And then she um, launches into 
this song about popular and she's going to sing popular. And I think it was just such a funny riff on like pop culture and how housewives are like, and how a lot, uh, sometimes certain housewives treat me like, oh, you poor sad thing. Totally. Let me show you my ways. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, (laughs) but there's a whole other uh, metaphor with Wicked, which is when Elphaba and Glinda are having their defy gravity uh-huh. preamble, you yes. know, and Glinda's like, you can still be with the wizard. Just say you're sorry. Yeah. You know, you can have everything you've ever wanted. Just say you're sorry, come back and you can still come to heaven with us. You can still have it all. And on two days ago, I went to dinner with my very, very active Mormon friends and we had a very, very similar conversation. And they expressed sadness and devastation over me not being an active Mormon personally, which, and I, and I said, I don't feel like I left the church. I feel like the church left me and Mm -hmm. it's, and they just, I just felt like it was in that tone. Totally. Just, just come back. Just come back. Just come back. You can still, yeah. yeah, And say you're sorry. And this is the only way. And I'm, I love you and we're here for you. And like, just don't be foolish. Yeah. And when Elphaba's like, I don't want it, I can't want it anymore. Yeah. And that just resonates with me. And so I just, you know, yet another drop in the bucket. You know, of, Were you sobbing? Yeah. Okay. The, at this point, the tissues have been peeling up on my yeah. cheeks. And I'm, mind you, I'm sitting next to like members of her team. They're like, mental illness award. Like if we said she could go backstage, like we need security. Like I looked like someone that was gonna that was having a breakdown. Yeah. But I had my sunglasses on. Okay, good. Yeah. And I've gotten pretty good at just like if you don't move, people can sometimes discern it as sweat. So it just like <laughs> seeps down your cheek. But when it starts to collect on my chin, then yeah. I just pretend like I'm being thoughtful and I put my forefingers on my chin and just kind of wipe the droplets away. I mean, can we just normalize having a breakdown at a concert? Like what if not for a breakdown, what is a concert? <laughs> I know. For? Come on. Literally. It yeah. was crazy. So then she says, Well, I love pop culture and I watch all the shows and I watch all the Housewives shows. And I don't remember the rest because I think at that point I totally blacked out. <laughs> but I've been told that what proceeded next is with by talking to eyewitnesses and taking into account several different people's versions of events, we have cobbled together what we believe occurred in the next 30 seconds to a minute. While you were blacked out. Blacked out. Yeah. Like you have no like recollection. Like sitting reclined in a skirt, you know. Yeah. And I'm, you know... It's hard to sit in like one of those camp chairs. Totally, totally. And I have a plate of Cutler's sandwiches yeah. on my lap, <laughs> like a white shirt that I'm scared my spray tan's going to get on, so, but I don't have it on yet because it's not breezy enough. So I have right. like a white shirt, sandwiches, my sunglasses and phone. I think my sunglasses are on, but my phone. So I'm a jumble. I'm like that scene in Pure Luck where he's like, on the count of three, we're going to leap out of the car so it doesn't go off the cliff. And he's like gathering his keys yeah. and he's gathering his <laughs> purse and checking the mirror and <laughs> so she's like, "There's we're we have two housewives here tonight." She said, "I'm a big fan of the show. We have two housewives, Heather and Lisa. You guys um, wave, and so we were waving to the audience, and we were sitting in different sections. But um, I knew where Lisa was sitting, so I looked over at her and waved, and she kind of looked over at me, and we waved to the front and back of the mountain. But then she said, "Oh no, no, stand up, girls, stand up." <gasps> and then apparently, 
I flung everything from my lap. No, no. Um, <laughs> into George's lap. And had found core muscles that I didn't know existed because I elevated myself from like a squat position like yeah. in one fell swoop without like stumbling over or like leaning on her manager's yeah. arm to like get up and then Georgia described it as and then she's like and then mom you did like a full Gabby Douglas Olympic wave like both hands overhead like an air traffic controller like I just done like a perfect championship vault and landed it I'd stuck a 10 and I was just like cheering to my fans and the stage and then on the mountain and it was like people screaming and yelling and oh and then and when did you come to I I came to and I sat down and um she probably started singing like the very next song but I I mean I'm trying to like, remember did you like turn to Georgia and say like did I stand up or like no I, I just I was trembling and okay. then um Eddie was next to me and he said well see there you go like <laughs> you, you seemed like a fish in water ma'am like <laughs> I had been like, you know, just falling all over him. Yeah. And he was like, well, there you go. I mean, that didn't hey. seem too unnatural yeah. for you. You bounced right up. What are you on springs there? Just bounced up. Just, do I need to stand and wave? Yeah. And then so I was sitting there and she uh, brought on, I'm trying to think if this is when she brought on her two phenomenal um, backup dancers, singers. Well, they were dancers too. And they were also singers. But let me look at their names. Crystal Monet Hall and Marissa Rosen and these two women were spectacular because they came out and the first thing is I've been on a huge horrible chip on my shoulder kick for the last 40 years <laughs> I was waiting to see what number you were gonna throw out I was about I was about to say two weeks it's been I mean but we've been talking about it a lot the last couple weeks last couple weeks yeah. but I made eye contact with Dre yeah. and realized that this is something that's been going through our lives like for 40 years yeah but just that it feels like the world when you're a woman the world doesn't care what you have to say or how smart or how funny or how talented you are if you're not thin enough or pretty enough to merit their attention attention yeah and I've never had a chip on my shoulder about it. I've just like thought, well, then we're just going to take all the resources there is to make ourselves as pretty as possible so that the world's forced to listen. You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of, I would say, my attitude. Mm -hmm. But lately, I haven't been feeling that as much. Maybe it's because of all the negative, <laughs> I was going to say some specific negative social media feedback, but it's it's bigger than that. It's just the awareness. I've had a couple of things happen in my life where I've just had the universe remind me that... Um, pretty is the most powerful thing you can be in this world sometimes mm -hmm. because the prettier the more conventionally pretty you are according to the white male gaze then somehow um the more relevant your message yeah I think that's fair to say yeah it's the currency that, that we're forced to trade in you know yeah so it's the only money people really want us to spend, you know? Right. They'll take yeah. our rubles, but it has to go yeah. a very lengthy and does that exchange mean, process. And, <laughs> and does that mean that you and I personally believe that that's what's most important? Of course not. But we, we've had many, many conversations, especially recently, about like, wow, it's interesting because the proof, like what happens in the world seems to continually show us that pretty is what, pretty and thin Pretty and thin mm -hmm. is what people, what this society values. Yeah. Yeah. 
because it's like they won't even consider you pretty if you're not thin. Like yeah. thin's the first door number one. Yeah. And then if, you know, and this is very, uh, this is basically, we think, very unique to our very, very small bubble in, you know, Utah, but it probably applies to everyone. I'm sure, yeah. But yeah, we've been having a lot of conversations about it and it's been coming increasingly frustrating to me because I think it affects all of us. You know, we read that article the other day about mm-hmm. this guy not wanting to interview this girl. He's like, she's not that cute, you know? Yeah. And I always am like, everyone's like, everyone you hire is a 10. And we had to kind of look at ourselves in 10 in terms of, you know, conventional beauty standards. And we, when I look at our staff, I'm like, I, I do not want that compliment ever again. You know, totally. I don't want people to look at our staff and say, yeah, look like a perfect 10. Or, you know? for, well, it totally discounts why they actually got hired. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I, I agree. I think our staff is beautiful. They all um, are perfect 10s, but not conventional but beauty standards. No. You know? And that's not why they got hired. Like they are hired on their personalities and skills, you yeah, know, and their talents and their u- their unique ability to show up in the world. Yeah. And their th- and thirst to be, uh, you know, helpful in the community and be on Team BLL. Yeah. You know, to lead with love, really. I feel like that's the first criteria. Mm-hmm. And so her two singers, you know, most backup singers are like, look like Barbie dolls. You right. Know? Right. And this... One was totally petite and one was t- tall. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just yeah. totally. Just the whole beautiful spectrum. Spectrum, yeah. yeah. And beautiful, talented, mesmerizing women, but not conventionally. Like it was a slap in my face of my theory that no one looks for real talent when it comes to women. They just look for looks. We'll yeah. tell you right now, Kristen Chenoweth doubles down on talent and looks because I almost at the end of the night forgot that I had even had that thought yeah they came on stage yeah but I had it it's interesting and the reason I'm acknowledging that I had it is because one the way that I am as, as much at fault as anyone and if I am having that thought how is that affecting my hiring choices the things I say to my daughters mm-hmm. the things I say to my daughters about their friends yeah the things I look for in who is my daughter hanging out with well you know she looks like she might get picked on. You know what I mean? Are yeah, these, yeah. Am I still judging books by? Yeah. Are cover? we perpetuating those same kind of toxic um, ways of thinking? When yeah. I'm crying myself to sleep about it at night. Yeah. Because it's my plight, and I'm doing nothing in the world to change it. So kudos to this amazing. And then her musical director was a woman too. That's awesome. And her musical director was an, another whole issue for me. Like I fell in love with her musical director. I'm not going to talk about it. I thought she was a Utah and I th- attributed all of these like Utah things to her. Like she had grown up, you know, in a family learning the piano because she could yeah. play the piano. She could direct the stage. She could direct and the symphony. And was she conducting the symphony? So it was not Thierry Fisher? No, that's okay. exactly. It was okay. Mary, um, Margaret Mitchell or Mar- something. Jeez. Yeah, we'll look it up. On the names. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so and she's just Kristen's musical director. Okay, that's fascinating. Kristen surrounds herself with talented, powerful women that you can feel and sense their talent. It radiates, and it was stunning. So these three women are singing, and they start singing a song, apparently written by Stephen Foster, called Hard Times Come Again No More, which I thought was written by Brett Denon. Yes! It is not written by right him. Now. I have full, ch- full chills. 
I started recording it on my phone, but then I'm also sitting next to like the music agents right. and yeah. the managers, and it's like no illegal video or photography. Yes. And I thought, well, this is the, the biggest moment of my life. I'm having like a meltdown now. Like I've already oh, had like yeah. been pummeled, you know, yes. emotionally, and then hard times come again no more, which is on my. This is play with the blood. Yes, playlist totally. I'm and you have a thing with Brett Denon, and it's a whole story. Brett and Denon, yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Gave me his sweat towel. Yes, gave me the spotlight dance once. Yes, has had a weight problem at one point. We've, we've had many conversations about <laughs> Brett Denon, so that's why I'm dying. That, but, also but it was to also. But it was also Stephen Foster. Yes. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I just started crying into Eddie's arm, your manager. <laughs> just kidding. No. While we seek mirth and beauty and music light and gay, there are frail forms fainting at the door. Though their voices are silent, their pleading looks will say, Oh, I mean, Georgia, I'd rubbed the skin off of Georgia's arm at this point. <laughs> I was, I just was, I just couldn't believe how cathartic the night was and how it was wow. like, was this woman put on the earth to heal me at such a pivotal time in my life? Because it's real. been pretty pivotal. I've been really in my head. Then she sang, smile, though your heart is breaking. Oh. And I mean, I just, I had ran the full circle so yeah. to and then of course we got to go backstage after and meet her and she was everything that you would hope and dream she would be and she's also exactly who she is yeah and that's the most phenomenal experience you can have you know and she was gracious and darling and she got to meet Georgia and we took I know was Georgia so happy I saw your picture oh yeah Georgia was with Georgia Georgia was just stunned she just was so grateful she kept saying mom thank you so much and I was like no thank you and then we just laughed and I mean it was the best night ever I'm gonna do a whole uh post on my feed like because I put all everything on my story but yeah I'll put on my feed but I just the reason I want to like uh this is going to be the first in a series of okay. musical therapy moments where Love we it. have gone to concerts or had uh, experiences where um, music has touched us, touched us yeah. and changed us. Yeah. And a musical event has touched and changed us. Remember my thing like, who do you want to smoke with and yes. listen to songs yeah. with? That's a whole other uh, spinoff show we're working <laughs> on. But um, so I want to, because I, I've had, I've been to concerts at pretty important times in my life. I went to a concert the day that I was served divorce papers um I remember my first concert I ever went to with my dad Mm -hmm. um I remember the first concert I ever went to alone okay um yeah that's poignant yeah and I'm trying to think there's a couple so I think both of us can like kind of roadmap totally some of our musical therapy and then I really want to become so good at podcasting that we can revisit these musical therapies and have the concert stars that we like the musicians who concerts we attended yes yes can you imagine (gasps) yeah that would be amazing so we're really going to start doing this like not you know just maybe weekly (laughs) yeah we're going to get real regular about it (laughs) we are regular as activa yoga jamie lee curtis we're coming for you (laughs) 
<laughs> Our podcast is going to be right as rain. <laughs> so if you were to say, well, okay, if I were to say that there was kind of a theme for the night, it absolutely would be the universe is real and you are relevant. Like that's the message, at least that I'm interpreting for you for the night. Well, totally. And I'm not, but also, yes. And I want to even be like more specific, which is hard for me lately, but like God. Okay. God in his total conventional form. Like Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Okay. Uh, it was a confirmation to me that Heavenly Father works through all women, not just Mormon women, mm-hmm. to guide my life and to interpret his meaning because I was sitting amongst my former Mormon mentors. Totally. And the women who I was patterning my life after, who I loved and admired. Love. No yeah. past tense with any of this, but I'm no longer patterning my patterning my life after them in all ways. Yeah. Some ways, but mostly not. Yeah. And then to have someone from a completely different faith, completely different background, not married, no children, changing the world, where I was thought that the only way a woman was to be able to change the world was to be a good wife mm-hmm. and have good babies. Yep. And mind be you, mom, not yeah. just get married and have babies, because they have to be, you have to be good, you have to be at, good it, at it. Yeah. You have to finish the job, and then yes. you have to raise good children. You don't want to raise Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. That's not helping anybody. Right. <laughs> so to see someone who is not only healing me and connecting with me through ways that are totally intimate to my soul, yeah. but is speaking for God yeah, and loving God in a way that communicates, like that I understand, I, I, I felt it, and yet it's not from the source that I thought all things from God came. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believed in the universe outside of Mormonism. Sure. I don't think I, be, I don't think I'd ever had like a confirmation of Christianity okay. outside of Mormonism. And I okay. got that last night with this little angel, this little Aww. angel straight from heaven. Oh, I love it. Put her, put a halo on her and some wings. So that's amazing. And I Heather. say these things in the name of Kristen <laughs> Chenoweth. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Wow. That's our Sunday sermon. Okay. Well, I love it. I don't know that there's anything else to say. I'm like speechless. That's so good. I'm so happy for you. Let's start thinking of your ro- your musical roadmaps. I, okay, and I am. It's your turn next. I totally am. Okay. But until then. Remember, the lab loves you. And life is short. By the lips. <gasps> So funny. Uh-huh.